Hello, Hive Nation. Welcome back to the Hive Nation podcast. Each week, we have leading experts in personal and professional development share their journeys and expertise to help you connect, engage, grow, evolve. Now, here's JB to introduce a special November guest. Hey, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Yeah, so like Greg said, for uh, for November here, we're going to start a series about uh, men's mental health and a discussion around men's mental health and and how we can, you know, kind of maybe just shed a light on mental health within, within, you know, the, our men's groups and, and the, the full pause around talking around mental health. So this morning we have back with us, uh, Mr. Seb Lavoie. Seb was on uh, our previous podcast and is absolute uh, a gem of a human uh, being. And uh, Seb's background is law enforcement and military and, and he's, you know, been there, done that, seen that uh, as to the rest of, us common folk and uh we you know we, we're very happy to have seb back today uh just for the record seb skipped arm day just to have to be on uh on our podcast today so thanks for that seb appreciate you being back <laughs> yeah, well, you're welcome <laughs> i might skip leg day <laughs> <laughs> gotta fill the sleeves <laughs> anyway um so seb thank, thanks for thanks again for being here um we talked off camera here a little bit about uh about you know uh, today's theme and today's theme is going to be uh you know preemptive versus reactive uh, uh talks around you know mental health and the the ability to you know talk about mental health or you know or not talk about it, I guess, is maybe a good way of putting it as well. So, Seb, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it off to you. Uh, we we chatted a, a lot, and you, the stuff that you said was absolutely gold. So, I'm gonna hand it off to you. And why don't you you know tell our our listeners about what your you know uh, idea is around preemptive versus reactive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, in any field, especially in in health in general, in the medical field, for example. You would never dare to not do anything to contribute to your physical health in a positive way until you're sick. Like it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And somehow that's that's how we address mental health. We feel as though and 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 too often we are reacting to whatever it is that a person has already encountered. And but there is really no, and I and I'm I'm speaking a little bit broadly here, but let's speak organizationally, say for the first response world or for people that are engaged in work that um you know has sort of a a higher potential of creating occupational stress injuries, those types of things. And how many conversations have they had prior to starting said work to explain to them some of the some of the mechanisms that needs that need to be put in place in order to mitigate the 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 effects of occupational stress injuries in order to um, uh, mitigate the effect of extended exposure to trauma and those types of things and it's a conversation that's not only worth having but it's a conversation that's catastrophically failing our people the fact that we're not having this conversation and the fact that we are putting emphasis on oh you know uh, here's our recruiting strategies. Come, come to our organizations. You're gonna, you're gonna get to experience X, Y, and Z, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, grow as a human being, and you're gonna be exposed to all kinds of things, and you're gonna have all kinds of opportunities, and those things are all true. But I think the conversation we're not having are causing incredible amount of of, of problems, such as this is what extended uh, sort of exposure to trauma can lead to if untreated or if not prepared properly this is how you know uh, uh emo- this is the cost of emotional overinvestment if you are addressing every call like every single one of the people that you deal with are your family members and this is not to you know obviously stray members away or people away from from being compassionate but it's a difference between being compassionate and wearing everybody else's burden you're going to have your own stuff happening in your own life and you need to maintain some sort of bandwidth that you have so that you're able to negotiate your own things but you if you start taking on the weight of the world when your own sort of adversity hits you're going to be behind you're going to be behind the eight ball. Your your capacity is is going to be reduced, and that isn't going to be you know conducive to uh, healing or conducive to coming out of a situation, sort of um, with post traumatic growth, so to speak. So, 
I think it's an important conversation to have. Mental health is a is something that starts as soon as you come to bear in this world, as far as I'm concerned. And parents can do that with their kids when they're very, very young. But once we sort of take over and uh, and start driving the bus, we need to continue sort of that constant, you know, tapping into the, the the subsystems, having in place some strategies in various areas, whether it be the, you know, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, those are all the things that are grounding, that are grounding, um, you know, humans. And, and if we tie all this in with a bow by wrapping a purpose around this or a why, now we're, we're, we're starting to set ourselves up for, for success. Yeah, I think that that really uh, bodes well with the argument of empathy versus sympathy. Absolutely. And that's exactly what you just touched on there was the difference between empathy and sympathy. There's a lot of those people aren't looking for sympathy, are they? No, not at all. I mean, they're, you know, oftentimes you're, 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 you're evidently engaged in that against their will. You know, they, none of what's happening generally is, is something that they want to happen. And and the fact that you're there may end up being a blessing, but also, you know, it's, it, it, they would much prefer you not being there on account of whatever thing happened, didn't, you know? And so that's, that's one piece of that equation. But if, it, if you have to be there and if you have to do the work, then yes, being the person that you need to be and have a certain degree of compassion and have the ability to excuse me, to communicate, to communicate effectively is, is going to be critical, but taking everything as if, you know, the, the kids that you have found in, you know, in a, in a car accident are yours or that the person that was victim of an assault is your grandma. Um, you know, I, I think it's a fine line and, and, and if you get engaged, even in the court process or so a lot of, a lot of, and I'm referring to police officers here, but it, this could be in any field what was the outcome or what is the what is the desired outcome and what was the outcome of the event has an impact it has an impact i know in law enforcement there's a lot of police officers out there that are doing the work and then they're consistently worried about what the courts are going to do with the clients and who's going to reoffend and who's get and we see it over and over again and it's a valid concern because it is a very very catastrophic sort of um you know situation that we have here in a country that continues to to reoccur but for me there's the three spheres of influence and i always bring myself back to this there's things i have direct influence over those are my sphere of influence so the things i really put my time in and i really invest my energy in so i use my bandwidth effectively then there are things that i have some influence over and i will engage at a limited in a limited way with those things. If I can increase the amount of influence I have, then I will invest more. But at the end of the day, there are the other things, which are the things I have zero control over, such as what the court system does with criminals or what, you know, and those things cannot be invested in. And so if I don't invest in those things, it's not to say that I can't have an opinion on them, but I'm not emotionally investing in them because I reserve bandwidth to the things that I need to be uh, you know, on the ball for, which is responding, being operationally ready and also being healthy for me and my family. And so, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very complex, uh, you know, field. Mm-hmm. On the note of like the influence, the the spheres of influence, <clears throat> can you talk on some strategies around you know, avoiding the what ifs? I think that's where a lot of mental health, uh, problems can stem from and you know I, I can't touch on the PTSD side uh, I think you maybe can Seb but you know what are some strategies to avoid getting pigeonholed and going what if this happens oh but I ha ah, and it's that panic that sets in from that mm-hmm. well it depends I mean if you're talking in 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 controlling chaos it's you know one way to do it if you're talking about controlling sort of um the input of what's going on in your life that will be a strong contributor to you going down a rabbit hole that you can get out of. It's a, it's another, it's, it's kind of another, um, it's another angle. Right. And so, um, you know, for me, when I, when I, when I sort of uh, look at things uh, objectively, I I really don't want to uh, 
go down rabbit holes of endless what ifs. And so what I end up doing is I will logically override my emotions. So it is possible that I will get sucked in a vortex, which is the vortex that either it could be overthinking, it could be over processing, it could be a variety of different things in relation to an event. But I have to look at the event from a bird's eye view. So I need to look at the event and go, okay, what, what were some of the time constraints? Where were some of the information that was known? What was some of the information that we only learned after? What was some of the information that I knew at the time at which I made a decision or those types of things? And so for me, it's all about if there are, if there's any actionable steps that I can take to make things better on the next call or on the next, you know, work day or whatever, in whatever context, then I will do that. But the danger is to take a, a, a bunch of time going backwards at reverse engineering a problem when you have time to do so because that is a different set of circumstances now if you have time to do certain things and if you have time to process things appropriately in the context of, of chaos then by all means do that but if you don't have that then don't do it backwards because you didn't have that luxury and so you couldn't have made you can't be hard on yourself for making certain calls to the best of your abilities based on the totality of the circumstance you were faced with at the time or at least at, that you knew you were and 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 look back and and question everything you've done you know ultimately what was the end result what were some of the things that you applied that worked properly and i mean this this could be in a corporate setting even it doesn't have to be you know in the first response world it could be anywhere but we can always go down those rabbit holes. As far as risk is concerned, and the what ifs are generally that, they're generally a, a bit of anxiety associated with, with a perceived risk. Well, it's quite simple. As soon as you shed the light on an area that you anticipate might cause an elevated level of risk, the brain magnifies that tenfold because it wants to protect you. If you're afraid or if you're uncomfortable or concerned about it, then therefore it is dangerous and I'm going to keep you away from it. And so understanding that that's the case, you can also logically override that and be like, no, 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 my brain is playing tricks on me here. It's trying to make me feel like this is, you know, more serious than it is. And so I'm going to break it down and I'm going to look at, you know, the pros and cons. I'm going to write it down on paper. I'm going to do whatever. So there's different strategies as far as, you know, how somebody would, would choose to logically override. I do the process quite uh, seam seamlessly in my head. So I, I'm going to have an emotion. I want to acknowledge the emotion in relation to an event. And then I will use my, bring my prefrontal cortex back online to logically discuss or, or break down the event, you know, and, 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 soon enough you're like check 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 okay i did everything i could at the time based on what i had and even though this could have been better or this could have been better now i have the luxury of time to reassessing that so anyways i digress but that's uh that's super interesting we never talked about this yet i'm so i'm gonna just throw this on you seb so heads up like put a helmet on maybe but uh <laughs> <laughs> so versus the, the getting back to the the preemptive versus reactive uh thing again i'm just gonna throw this at you i i'm one of those proponents of shoulda coulda woulda okay and you know if, if you're always gonna live in shoulda coulda woulda uh you're gonna beat yourself to death I mean, it's just one of those things that you, you just can't do it right so what's your take on shoulda coulda woulda and how can you tell somebody who always wants to play that shoulda coulda woulda game that you know how how, how can you how can you get over that or how can you get past that mm -hmm. well it starts with recognizing that that's maybe a bit of an issue. And and if there are underlying issues as to why a person's like that, that's important for them to address that and to deal with it, not to just say, well, that's just the way I am, you know, because this is kind of like a, a adopting a bit of a victim mentality. And I, and, and it's very counterproductive. Whereas if somebody says, I need to know what makes me tick, I need to know what makes me react the way I am so that I can address certain things and optimize my performance in any, in any realm, um, you know, de definitely do that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's almost like, hmm, how do we, how do we get people engaged in, in, in sort of any field of endeavors and not, and bring it to bear when they start self-destructing by going down those, those 
you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. And I can suggest to you that if it's something that you are predisposed to and you're working through some things, or perhaps you've worked through some things and you're still very inclined to do that, there's the service industry probably isn't the place that you should be spending your time. Mm-hmm. Right. And and this is this is not meant to be disrespectful in any way. There's a million other places where you would you would be perfect for. But it's I think it's very rarely recognized that there are predisposing factors that can make somebody more vulnerable to certain things in the context of, you know, uh, either a life of service or and, and again, I keep on attributing it to service because most most people can easily it's it's a it's an easily relatable field, not that they understand it, but they understand, you know, from a broader perspective. And so um, but and and if I if I am engaged in this and if I have made the decisions that this is the job or the work or the or the or or this is the the attitude I will adopt as adversity hits, then the question then the question becomes what is the benefit of this and does it serve any positive outcome? Does it serve an outcome that's constructive for me? Does it serve an outcome that will help me, you know, move forward? And or am I sort of playing victim here or am I going down some rabbit holes that are compounding my issues? And I think it's important to understand that there's a lot of people out there that have the answers to absolutely everything that have never answered a question. Right. Like it's, that's a reality. Like there's, there's people walking around out there with answers to absolutely everything, but they've never put the wheels where the pavement is, you know? And so you can, you can really get lost in that, in that, in that search. And you, you can really, to a certain extent, you can, you can even lose what your end end goal was or what the mission is or, or whatever. So now if you have a why attached in this or a, a strong sense of purpose attached to this, and you're, you're still proliferating that, that, that course of action, you may find yourself losing the mission statement at some point, you know? And so for me, it's all about refocusing. It's, it's a centering. I'm centering myself. I'm refocusing and, and, and not letting me uh, sort of not letting my emotional side take the helm. Most of the time when you go down the what if and the shoulda, coulda, woulda, generally it's an emotional reaction. You think or feel or or suspect that there is something you either could have done better or something that you didn't do as well as you could or something that you're playing you think you've done wrong you know the only people that engage in behavior that could be perceived as wrong in any context are people that are engaged in it and it, it, you know it's it's kind of the same as saying the only the only people that risk losing a fight in a, in a mixed martial art context are people that fight like, so that's inherently going to happen, but it's just a matter of realizing, recognizing, and centering, right? So you 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 talk about uh, you talk about moving forward. Is there is there a certain is there a certain uh, uh, um, I'm not sure how to say this even said. Is there a certain uh, uh, process that you would say that you could put in place for somebody to quote unquote move forward, like for if they're if they are at rock bottom? Well, and this is kind of what the conversation is all about. Once you hit rock bottom and you are reactive, that is a much more, more, more complicated predicament to get yourself out of. And that is a multi-prong approach. You know, there's good, there's going to be, there's going to be a whole bunch of different resources required to help you navigate coming down from rock bottom, unless you have a very sort of centered, uh, and introspective ways about you. And sometimes some people are excellent at that. They can they can hit rock bottom and crawl back up by themselves, needing le- less external help, so to speak. And so it doesn't matter if you need external help or if you don't need external help, Those two, as long as you know what it is that individually and as an individual you need to make that happen, to make that journey back to the top or back to you know the light, um, that's really all that matters. And, and, and I think that there is a, there is often a, a sort of, a, an assumption that everybody needs the same thing to come back from, uh, from adversity. And that's simply not the case. It isn't the case. And yes, some people need more external help and other people need less external help. And that's just how it works. Now, for me, if I look at it from a humanity standpoint, 
the least amount of external help I need is better over time, right? Because because then the help and the person that you truly need is powerful beyond measure is you and you carry you everywhere you go. So you never need to turn around. You don't get disappointed. You don't, you know, because it's 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 you that you focus on. But it takes it takes time, understanding and knowledge, skills and abilities in, in the field of whatever it is that you're dealing with. And if you don't have those things, you are going to need external help to framework what your response is going to be like before you can individually and perhaps even uh, sort of a, as a lone combatant engage in it, you know? That begs the question for me anyway is, so does one really need to hit rock bottom? No, the, the answer is not only does one not need to, to hit rock bottom, but we should want to avoid it at all costs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We should try to avoid it at all costs. And so, you know, it, it. so this is an analogy that I use when I teach my leadership courses, and it has to do with the bucket theory where you, you take a bucket and you drip little drips in there and the water fills up and, you know, administrative stress, you know, trauma exposure, personal life trauma, like all this, all those things add up. And eventually you have a tiny droplet of something seem, seeming, seemingly innocuous and boom, the water overflows, right? When the, when the water overflows, now the bucket is unstable. So the water overflows, it creates issues. Then it regulates because there's a bit of water that fell off. Now a tiny little thing touches it, touches it again. It overflows again, right? So you're consistently fighting that. So the idea and what I like people to focus on when you think about mental health is imagine you have the bucket, life will throw all those droplets in there, but your job is to take a, a, a nail and put holes in it right so you put holes in that bucket so as the water goes up it it starts leaking already and it never overflows right now there's all kinds of philosophical argument that could be made that you're still overflowing and you know because there's a hole or whatever but you know you know what i'm what i'm trying to yeah. what i'm trying to um, to exemplify here from a visual aid standpoint and and so the nail becomes all those strategies and all those things that one can can do to make things better. You know, if I'm looking at, uh, for example, spirituality, it doesn't have to be religion. It doesn't have to be anything. It just has to be you understanding that there's a, a bigger things at play here and having some sort of grounding mechanisms. Perhaps for you, it's going in nature and looking at the sun shine through, you know, the leaves and, and all of those things are extremely therapeutic and doing so on a regular basis so that you get, you know, positive contact with with nature and oxygen and breathing good quality air you're working on your fitness you know and then you're poking a hole then you go to the gym and you get yourself in a physical place where you want to be you eat nutritious food you do all those things so poke 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 you know you're putting holes through that bucket in 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 these various areas all of which are strong contributors to wellness the sooner you start the better it is as soon as the bucket is halfway full and you start poking holes, you know, it takes it takes longer to go back down. And, and as it takes time, what, what don't we have in this life? Time. As it takes time, other things are falling in and, and now you're, you, you know, you're compounding issues. So again, it's, it's one of those misconceptions that wellness needs to be addressed when it's needed. It's always needed. It needs to be addressed long before it's needed. I love that, Seb. I, I absolutely love that analogy. And I, I'm going to relate it to relationships. Mm -hmm. The, the uh, maybe I'll call it the lack of relationships on some people that they, that they, that they think that they should be attached to somebody that they are absolutely should not be. And mm -hmm. as soon as you get rid of that, you know, that existing relationship and move forward, that is going to be not just a nail in the bucket. You're going to like pop a, a hole an inch wide in that bucket. You know what I mean? Like that it's, I think people put uh, that, that type of, that type of, of clout on certain relationships, whether it be personal or business or what have you, 
too much clout on that. And then all it does is just bring them down. And the people are, they, they should be, could be so toxic to you that you, you're not even recognizing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that That's, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a, a big step for a lot of people is to recognize it doesn't matter whether it's relationships or whether it's uh, you know, uh, outside um, factors that are, that are poking at you that you're, you know, you, like you said, you're maybe you're overweight or you're out of shape and you want to get back into shape, but uh, I think there's, you know, the ability for one to identify that up front, you know, first is, is very key to poking those holes in that bucket. And I absolutely love that. No, that's, that's a fantastic analogy. Mm-hmm. And uh, if applied, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say, and if applied in the context of leadership, the leaders become the people that have the ability to poke holes in buckets. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yep. and, and so it's a, it's something that I don't, I didn't take lightly as a leader. It was my responsibility to help out. And yes, my guys and everybody would poke their own holes in their own bucket, but yep. I was there as the leader to facilitate that and to poke additional holes so that we kept them healthy. And it's not only just for, uh, on the professional side, as you just referred to said, it could be as well, uh, as you, on your personal side as well. Absolutely. Uh, what I was going to say, I was going to add to what JB said, you know, this just kind of, I think, unlocked something in me that I think the whole Hive Nation can respond well to. Because of the lack of proactiveness towards our mental health over time, we get into situations like these where we have convinced ourselves we need certain things, whether it's a relationship, whether it's some kind of crutch, the liquor, whatever, you, whatever is your, you know, crutch that you're leaning onto. It could be, you know, any number of things. Start looking more proactively. And then you added the leadership side of it on bringing it to the empathy and sympathy side of it. A lot of times, I think almost everybody has been in a situation where we've seen somebody going down a path that we got, mm, no, not my place. I'm going to let them let them go. Or, you know, a friend of ours that's in our circle, something's different. Is there a time and place where it's good to back off and go, no, this guy needs to go down that path and and face the consequences versus, you know, being that guy that steps in too much, that wants to bubble and protect everybody. And like you said, put too much weight on yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, I digress, but the question I guess would then be, you know, what is that line of helping those in your circle versus this isn't my place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, you know, this is a, a, a very, it's a very complex, it's a simple question, but a very complex answer. Like it depends on a variety of different factors. Like what is the relationship between, you know, said person and you? What 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 is invested in there? What is the reciprocal benefits of that relationship? Is this a one-way street where one of your friends is consistently dragging you down and dragging everybody else along down? And at the end of the day, my line in the sand is self-preservation. That's my line in the sand. So if I feel like somehow, well, two things, self-preservation and somebody uh, wanting to talk about certain things in circles, but never action anything to make it better. And this happens a lot. It happens with with people that have, you know, with people that are undiagnosed. It happens with people that have diagnosis and it happens with people because ultimately we're going to put names on things. And once we do that, it defines, it, it can begin to define someone. And sometimes once they understand the definition of the whatever it is that they're supposed to be, they're going to become that. They're going to continue man- manifesting that because this is the evil you know, whereas the evil you don't know is how to get out of there. And that's even more daunting. So what they will do is prevent themselves from getting better and stick to whatever it is that they know. And and this is a subconscious process. None of these people are will- willfully doing that because it's very self-destructive, but it's important that somebody has the ability to call it out. And if you have the ability to call it out and there is a positive reaction to it, that's one thing. But if you call it out and it doesn't happen and the, the conversations are consistently back to, you know, the dark places and, 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 and no actionable items, you're going to lose me. I don't have that kind of time. I do not have that kind of time. I don't, but I have all the time in the world for somebody that truly wants to make a difference. For, for themselves, somebody that's truly invested in doing things differently. 
And, and, you know, realizing that over the course of the last 10 years, everything you've done hasn't necessarily paid the dividends that you wish it did, or that somehow you're now, you know, regressed or whatever the case may be. At some point, you're going to have to take a step out of your boots. Somebody else is going to have to look at a different angle because you're look, you keep looking at the same problem from the same angle and you're going to come up with the same conclusion, which is the very definition of insanity. Yeah. You know, doing the same thing all over again, expecting a different outcome. And yeah. so, so for me, if, if I'm the person that has the ability to create an angle and bring some, bring to bear some revelation and the person is open to the self-regulation piece and the, and the, and the actionable item piece, I'm in a hundred percent. I will give a lot to a person like that because ultimately I think we're all go going to experience days in our lives where somebody else is going to step in and, and save our day. And if you don't believe that to be the case, just wait long enough. Yeah. It's going to happen, you know, like, and anyways, I could go on. There's examples everywhere. Right. But, um, and so for me, it's all about that self-preservation piece. If, if the person does not want to get help, if the person says they want to get help, but they don't take any action actions in order to manifest that, you know, the change, or if they simply are not open to different lenses or different ways to look at things if they're not open to exploring things actively and i don't mean exploring over the course of nine months for one tiny little idea or suggestion i'm talking about like actively engaging and exploring process um, i will be out yeah. and that's simply because we have a limited amount of bandwidth and we just can't i'll so reallocate it self-preservation and, and, and self-development are within everybody to do it on their own so if you choose to do it, you're going to do it. If you don't choose to do it, I'm not entirely sure what I can do for you. Like, like I, I, it's one of those things, right? Like self-preservation and self-development, our, our personal developments are, are just exactly that. They're within the person, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I'm not in, I, it's, it's that, that's a, that's such, that's such a fine line as to, you know, how you can help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Mm -hmm. Well, ultimately you can't. Is that simple, right? Like you can't. And so, and and I say, generally speaking, you can't. And what's important to recognize is, say, for example, if somebody was to come to me and that somebody didn't relate to me and I'm trying to, you know, uh, pass on a message that it just isn't simply going through on account of who's delivering it. Well, if I say, you know, Greg is better with this person or Greg has a better chance because of his style or whatever the case may be, then I'm maybe I'll connect those people. So you still effectively have done something to yeah. help someone, you know, if, if you know that there is an angle by which this can be accomplished. But um, as far as, as far as like legitimately, if you have a, a person that has an addiction problem in your family, for example, and they do not want to get help, if you've never had a person addicted in your family, I can tell you this from having had that happen multiple times, there is no way. I don't care how good and how well intended you are. I don't care how much time you spend up not sleeping at night and how much you're trying to do for the person. As long as they do not make the conscious decision to get themselves out, you are you are going to fall short every single time. And then so for me, then it becomes a, a question of ownership and a question of self-preservation. I will be moving on. And if the person and I will let the person know if there is ever a time in your life where you change your mind and your mindset and you are wanting help and ready to take actionable items to change your circumstances, I will be here. You know, so it's not like I'm just vacating, yep. you know. The uh, in that case, the devil wins the jujitsu fight, <laughs> yeah, exactly, precisely, right? Yeah, um, off camera as well. So, we talked about uh, that mental health walk that you host. Could you uh, could you just tell some of our listeners more about that? Yeah, so there is a there is a plethora of of evidence of academic evidence to support the benefits of exposure to nature. In, in mental health is that simple. You know, in human health, we, we're not built or made to be in sky rises or high rises with, you know, skyscraper and high rises and, and where we're stuck in cubicles and sitting there with, with like, we're not, we're not, we're not built for that fundamentally. And so, but we 
teach ourselves that that that's what we want. And we teach ourselves that we need a mall every 10 feet to be happy. And we teach ourselves that we need to be able to go shopping endlessly. And we teach ourselves that we need to be, you know, uh, able to drive nine cars as one family. And we teach you know, all of those things. And, and those are lies that we tell ourselves so that we can justify the way we live. And I understand it. it and to a certain extent, some people may may feel uh, safer in a in an urban environment on account of just not being familiar with you know a rural environment or nature or some of those things but it doesn't change the fact that if they learn to do that they would benefit greatly from being in nature and so for me this was always as i was engaged in tactical operation for 16 years of my career there isn't a single day i was in nature not a single day at least a little bit even if it was a 20 minute or a, a 30 minute walk with the dog but generally we were, it was hikes, right? I'm in BC, there's mountains everywhere. And I found that every single time my baseline from before starting a hike to after finishing a hike, I was two different humans, two different humans. And just the optimism and just the, the forward drive and forward momentum and all the things, all the, the recharging the batteries. Now, if you're an introvert, that applies to you even more. If you're an empath, that applies to you also because you're sucking up energy from everybody around you. And now you're going in nature and you're doing the same, except there is no draining energy because nobody is taking your life with their stupid nonsense. It's all about, you know, flowing water and having the trees and having the, you know, the moss and the the wind or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just, a, it's the deep, deep connection at a visceral level with source of positive energy. Whereas if you're in a, in a, in a city settings, you're going to be exposed to both and whatever it is that affects your day is anybody's guess. Right. And so I really, I really is something I did myself personally. And eventually I, I, I started inviting people. I was like, listen, I know you're, you think that you need an intricate action plan to ensure your wellness, but I'm going to teach you something here. Here's a hack. Here's a true hack, like something that works, you know, connect with nature daily. Do not give yourself a way out of that. Connect with nature daily and, and, and watch it, watch it change, watch you change, watch your perspective change, watch how you react to things. And so this not only was a, a good sort of grand social experiment on a, because I've taking people that weren't engaged necessarily in those activities before that started coming to the walk. And then we took the group out. We brought actionable items as well. So during the walk, we would do a variety of different things. You can choose to talk or not talk. We go around, connect with nature. At some point, we'll have a five-minute of mindfulness. When we do a five-minute of mindfulness, which is just, again, a recentering, we're going to take we're taking people and we have them like put their backs against the trees or their feet in the water or anything where there is a contact with a positive source of energy. And then we're going to take our five or six or seven or 10 like this weekend. I, I kind of tricked them and I said, okay, let's do five. And then we did 10 and because the location was amazing and breathtaking. So we just, we just extended it. But, um, and so, so then, we'll do that connection. Then we will get together and have a conversation about an actionable item for the week, whatever that might be. You know, in this case, this week, uh, it was something about, you know, understanding boundaries and, and, and emotional sort of uh, investment in things that are happening in the world at current times, right? And how our limited bandwidth, you know, leads us down some rabbit holes that are not necessarily healthy and certainly not not serving of your wellness. And so how can we still be there as part of the process so we're not completely disconnected from reality of life so that we may impact or do things that may make things better for the collective, but also understanding what limit and li what, the, what the limitations are on that and, and, and where you need to start looking at self-preservation, you know? So for example, we gave them an actionable item. We had a great conversation I had I have people joining us, mental health expert. I have people that have done TED Talks on resilience. I've had, you know, so we have a really strong core group of people that can that can really make a difference. And so the idea was just to create an environment that was conducive to that. All people from different walks of life pulling in the same direction, vying for wellness, 
and taking actionable steps to make that happen. That's all I cared about. I absolutely love that Seb. It's and it's you don't have to you don't have to live in BC or around mountains to do any of this. Just get out of the concrete jungle that you uh, that you're that you're familiar with. I guess if you want to, and just test your boundaries a little bit. You don't you don't have to you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a, a a walk up a mountain. It could be as simple as walking along. Uh, we're looking outside the river bank right here uh, along the river. But if you don't live along there, it's as simple as walking through a field, uh, an empty field. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter it's the it's the like you said the the connection with nature it's not it has nothing to do with the surroundings uh th that you see and you can connect to anything the ground could be your connection it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a tree it doesn't have to be water like you said you can just enjoy the ground you know what i mean like it's just one of those things i i lo absolutely love that Seb. that's uh that's amazing and so, so anybody who's listening to this and obviously in in your area you're you're in uh uh coquitlam is that correct Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm in British Columbia. So lower mainland, really, I mean, anybody and we we go all over the lower mainland with the walks, but you also have uh, the, the crew at um, at Rock and Rise podcast there that, That's you right. know, are, are have started a mental health walk on the East Coast as well. So there's one in the uh, I can't remember exactly where these guys are Mississauga, maybe or something. Sure. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember specifically. And I apologize for that. But, uh, but but definitely. Uh, if you if you look them up, you'll you'll see it's happening on the East Coast as well. So what people have come to me and ask, can I start one here? I'm like, you don't need my permission. This isn't a franchise. I'm not McDonald's, right? <laughs> right. But 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 I I I respect the fact that they 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 do it. Like I mean, it's you know it's meaningful that they're coming to me to ask if they can. Um, but it it also. No, you don't have to ask me anything. But but if you want, though, I can give you the blueprint to what we've done that's worked great, and and you can take it and run it. I don't need to. I don't need to be associated with it. I don't need my name anywhere. I don't need you to thank me. I don't need any of that. All I want is for us to proliferate wellness. Who takes the credit? Don't care, right? And uh, and it's really interesting how much you can start problem solving things when you don't care who takes the credit for the solution. Uh, I love that. So, yeah, you know, so anybody listening to this, if you want to start a, uh, if you want to start a mental health walk, I'm sure Seb would be more than willing to share his blueprint, like he just said, for success for it. Instead of you know maybe wondering you know how am I going to do this? How's this going to work out? Whatever. Um, we have uh, some outreach, obviously within the Hive Nation, and we'd be more than willing to talk to anybody who wants to connect us. Through us, uh, we can talk to Seb, uh, you know, whenever um, we have uh, outreach in, and I'm going to give uh, her another shout out because she's our biggest proponent in Montana. Courtney is our biggest proponent, and she shares everything that we do on the Hive Nation with her entire network. She thinks that what we're doing is absolutely amazing, that that it's not, it does, doesn't be, get done enough. And, you know, to have you on here today, Seb, and to talk about, you know, uh, very openly about, you know, what you have experienced and how you've experienced it. It, I, this was, this was to me, this was an amazing podcast. Again, I, I learned everything from you every time. Like I, 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 I'm thinking that you should probably move here. I heard something. <laughs> we, can, we have a third chair. It's just, all, yeah, we can be, we can be BFFs. I mean, we can hang out or whatever, you know, I, I, and I, I can learn from you every day and you can listen to my, my BS. And, you know, I think it'd be a fantastic setup. What do you say? It would be a fantastic arrangement, right? As far as you're concerned. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not really concerned I, I, about anybody uh, else, Seb. I'm uh, just, you know, for my personal development. You know, it's self preservation. It is. It's self preservation. You know what, dude? I'd be all over that if you were, I don't know, in Texas or Montana. Or... <laughs> it would be relocation. But you're in Saskatchewan. You know, you're not making it good. <laughs> I'll, I'll push everything in the dumpster and I'll move to wherever you want, Seb. I'm down there right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, uh, yeah, I need to echo what JB said there too. You know, this conversation has unlocked a lot of different things for me. And, you know, something I've always tried to articulate with people asking me on, oh, you know, the why behind, you know, meditation, you know, some of these self-preservation, proactive, preemptive strategies for mental health, where people look at it as hokey or, oh, that's hippy dippy shit, right? They, they, they dismiss it as it's bullshit. no you just haven't accepted the ability for yourself to help yourself yet. 
These are excellent strategies. Maybe that's not your thing. Journal. Maybe that's your thing. There's all of these different strategies that are out there that we can unlock by talking to people like Seb, you know, Jason, myself, Sean, uh, the Ruck and Rise podcast group. I, we can sit here for an hour and list off people that for can sure give we you can. new strategies. So, you know, all of these things are great to be proactive. And if you're ever in a situation, I'm talking to kind of Hive Nation now, is if you're in that situation where somebody's dismissive about the strategy that works for you, Tell them where to go. Get rid of That's working for you. It doesn't need to work. Mental health is not a one size fits all. There's problem. It's not a one size fits all solution. So uh, Seb, thanks for unlocking that in me because now I can articulate that a lot better to people that come to me for that uh, advice. So, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be in touch with you, Seb, for that, uh, for that blueprint. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that, that sounds like an absolute ideal thing that should be done. And like you say, like nobody should have to ask permission for it. It's you, if you want to go ahead and do that, you, even if there's two people, you know, you should do that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the showings really doesn't matter. Like if I said to you, I can send you a hundred people and, but a hundred people that are not necessarily needing it at the time. And I'm saying I'm sending you one person and that person really truly needs it. And this could be an anchor that's life-saving to a certain extent, or at least life improving. What is it? What are the, the numbers are irrelevant here. You know, like as long as, as long as one person benefits from this, and as long as one person looks at life a little bit differently on account of having tried something. Now, the resistance of not trying something is something that's just ingrained in us. It's This is why the comfort zone is where growth goes to die, you know, in, in all aspects of our lives. And so getting comfortable with what it is that we are doing and thinking that we have maximized or optimized the way we are is is a lie that we tell ourselves to prevent ourselves from taking actions that are deem uncomfortable right yep. and so and so for me it it's all about cost benefit so for example if somebody comes to me and says i have a great strategy it's about going in nature connecting with the trees doing this there is nothing that will prevent me from giving it a three-month trial you know like yep. i don't eat nothing because nothing. why not i oh in in three months if this doesn't work in three months i'd be at the exact same spot that i'm now and if it does work I'm going to be in a completely different spot. So what is the cost and what is the benefit associated to it? If anything, I'll get fitter. So we already know that, you know. What's and there so, to lose is the, is, the, is, the, is the underlying question. You have nothing to lose. No, you don't. You don't. And, and what you're afraid of losing is the ability to excuse all of the things that you are unable to engage in on account of your situation. You're going to lose that. And you know that now you're going to have to take, you're going to be accountable for your success in whatever field of endeavor. And so you're trying to keep yourself comfortable. You're trying to keep yourself, you know, having to do the least amount of work possible and, or you have impediments that are preventing you from doing that. And this is an important conversation to have just briefly here. A lot of the things that we need to do to maintain mental health aren't sexy. They're just not, they're just not. And so, and, and, and very, you'll never get up in the morning and be like, yep, I absolutely want to do this today. When I have a really busy day and there are certain things that I know I should be doing, I, I fight the urge of canceling myself on account of, oh, I don't really have time. And then you're going to give yourself all kinds of time. But imagine you, you use the, um, the analogy of the relationship earlier. So imagine negotiating a breakup, negotiating a breakup starts with one thing, having a, a a realistic assessment of the situation that you were in and not the love's greatest hits as your brain and your pleasure-seeking you know, brain is trying to d- drag you down the same path so that you get your fix and then you put a Band-Aid on, on the wound and carry on because that's not what's going to be good for you in the long run. What's going to be good for you in the long run is move out from that toxic relationship and develop healthy mechanisms to have healthy relationships. But when this happens and you're heartbroken from the person that's either, you know, left you or you left or whatever the case may be, you're going to want to turtle up in a corner 
stop eating, stop training, stop doing anything constructive. And you're going to want to, you know, listen to sad songs and cry yourself to sleep and, and, and be in a fetal position. All the things that will save you from yourself are the things that you do not want to do. You have to eat. You have to go outside. You have to go train. You have to study. You have to clean the house. You have to wash your clothes. All of those things are incredibly difficult to do when you're heartbroken. But the only way to come out of there as fast as you possibly can is to do those very things. Every single one of them without a single exception. It's exactly the same. It's exactly no the same for the wellness for the wellness piece. No matter how none, hard it is. None of those things you're going to want to do. You just need, it's a logical override. I don't want to do it. I have to do it. That yeah. absolutely makes sense. That that's so powerful. I mean, that's, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm sure I'm, I'm speechless. Seb. That's, that's amazing. This whole thing is always, every time we talk, it just, I always like have a greater appreciation for you, Seb. And it's a, it's always part of like a, of the Hive Nation, a part of, part of our network and our network of people within it. And, you know, Seb, like you're just, this is, this is just the, the first one in the series of November. There's five in November this year, five Wednesdays, right? Because the Hive Nation podcast drops on Wednesdays. So there's going to be five of this. Like, how are we ever going to top this now, Seb? Oh, I'm sure you'll find someone. <laughs> I, I don't think we will, gentlemen. Challenge is on. Yes. Step, step your shit up. Start uh, your steps. engines. If our other guests, we'll leave them anonymous for now, are listening to this. Take notes, fellas. <laughs> Seb's our Mike Tyson of boxing here. Like, good well, lord. We know their English will be better, so they already have beat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Seb, I, 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 we could, we could sit here again, and we could have you on all day. Yeah. And you obviously have to get going, and let's. You know, let's obviously stay in touch. Uh, why don't you tell the Hive Nation where they can, you know, find your stuff again, Raven Strategic and stuff like that as well. Mm -hmm. So my my business account or my business uh, sort of uh, website is uh, Raven Strategic with a K, spelt with a K. Um, so it's uh, www.ravenstrategic.com. My probably the easiest way to reach me is on Instagram. Uh, my personal Instagram, which is S-L-A-V-C-C-M-D-R. It stands for Slav Cobra Commander. Um, that is my personal Instagram, which I spent way too much time in, but at least you're guaranteed to reach me there. Yep. And then I have my Raven Strategic uh, with a C this time on Instagram, don't ask. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> and so and so those are all uh, ways by which you can you can tap into me or reach into me and if there's anybody in the lower mainland who's looking to join your mental health walk uh, obviously you know get in touch with uh with seb on his instagram like you just said and, and i'm sure he'd be more than willing to you know guide you in the right direction as to how to how to how to join or you know how, how to make your own how to start your own yeah, very good point here. We have a page, we have a, an Instagram page for the mental health walks. It's called mental health walks with an S 2022. So you'll notice that there's a 2023 also that's for the crew on the East Coast. So the West Coast walk is mental health walks 2022. Got it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So anybody who's listening to this, you know, go on there and uh, sign up and just be a part. Just do your do yourself a favor and get outside and be part of nature. And like Seb said, you have nothing to lose and they'll, you'll feel better for it at the end of the day. I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. and, and you'll do not just yourself a favor. You'll do everybody you'll be in contact with a favor, which in turn well. will lead to them being in contact with other people and when you start proliferating wellness it goes far it exceeds the person that's the the main end user of it it's everybody else associated with that person anybody any remote circles of that person and so the opposite is also true if if a person you know if 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 a person is wounded and hasn't fixed it they will bleed on people that don't deserve it right and and so it's really really important that we address it for our own sake of mental wellness, but also because of the imprint and because of the impact that we have on everybody's lives. There you go. You've just turned one into a hundred. Yeah. That's exactly what you've done. Yep. Awesome. Seb, appreciate it as always, brother. Hive Nation. We're out. Thanks.